nation. Today we are making history. It's embarrassing to us as a nation all over the world. They're talking about Chicago. I campaigned on change. You voted for change. And I plan to deliver change to our government. You're listening to Chronicle Headlines. One of the reasons I'm perpetually excited about Columbia is that we have chosen to be different. Welcome in. I'm Blaze Mesa. Mikey Emmy hopes the Trans Student Union can act as a safe space to empower students on campus. We'll talk with Mikey later in the show. But first, people are complaining of hazardous bike lane dividers. How big of a problem is this, and where do people go to get answers? Standing no more than six inches tall, bike lane dividers are all across the city. Stretching from 13 to 27 feet long, you could easily encounter hundreds of feet of concrete dividers in your walk downtown. While these dividers are meant to keep cyclists safe, some people are saying dividers are actually causing accidents. The Chronicle has spoken to multiple people who have been injured managing to hobble about and who have seen people injured by these dividers and went out into traffic with his phone and other things flinging out in front of him it was just concrete but his foot got caught and he went like face down smack and the severity of the complaints vary but i just really am annoyed that they would put these bike lanes in basically camouflage that was part-time faculty member in the humanities history and social sciences department con buckley Buckley spent time in the emergency room after tripping over a divider. While the divider may be small, city officials say these lanes were designed this way to prevent drivers from parking on or loitering in bike lanes. Architect and urban designer Jacob Peters served as a representative on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Bicycle Advisory Council. Peters said the Chicago Department of Transportation has, quote, often wonderful response rates to feedback on bike lanes. Peters also said that some of the issues with these lanes may be from elected officials. And there have been multiple bike lanes across the city that have been made less safe during the design process because of feedback from aldermen and community members who wanted the street to be faster rather than being safer. I have managing editor Mari Devro with me now. So Mari, you looked at these bike lane dividers, but before we get into the story, I'm curious how you found out about this issue. Yeah, so it was actually on a Facebook post by Paula Bryan, who's an academic uh, advisor at Columbia. She posted on Facebook because a friend of hers uh, had actually fallen over the concrete barriers. Yeah, so we're talking about the little, little tiny ones, just kind of to reiterate that. They're no more than maybe a foot off the ground. It's nothing huge, right? The one that Con Buckley actually tripped over was only about one and a half to two inches tall. And there's higher concrete barriers that are about six inches tall. So no, they're not that tall at all. Okay, so if I have this correct, there's no complaints about the actual bike lane. It's plenty wide enough. Bicyclists, bicyclists are able to get through and all that. The complaint is with the little, the little barrier things. Uh, what do sources want done then? Because don't some of them have paints or like a, a white marker so you can see them? Some of them have flexible white posts on top of them, but the barriers that go down lower near the crosswalk and near the intersection don't have any paint or any sort of markers on them to differentiate them from the concrete. Is there any reason for that? Uh, there is no reason for them not having paint on them, but however, for their as to their height, uh, the Chicago Department of Transportation said that they don't want the curbs to be too tall or else vehicles won't be able to make 
turns over them and they'll their tires might get stuck okay, as they're so it's turns. about vehicle safety as well there could be all this this stuff going right. on more accidents mm-hmm. um but then when we're looking at it and the people tripping and falling are they on bikes riding in the bike lane and they hit the divider or are they just walking past and they trip over it that way as far as i've heard most uh the most injuries happen when pedestrians are walking and they trip over the divider but however they are, there have been one or two bikers who i've heard of that have not seen the lower end of the concrete divider and have crashed as a result of that yeah, by you, turning into it you received three four some complaints at least in the story alone were all the complaints kind of similar like was there any outlier there or was it just i fell on this tiny little divider most of them were that they just fell over the tiny little divider as they were walking. Um, but there was one um, there was one person who gave an account of a man who tried to jump over the higher part of the concrete barrier and did not clear it and got his foot caught and then fell into the middle of the street. Okay, so it sounds like at least there's a reoccurring issue. People got the same complaints. Uh, then have anyone you've spoken to brought their complaints to city officials? Yes, at the... Mayor's Bicycle Advisory Council, which meets every couple months during the year, uh, a few people have brought up this complaint in the uh, September and December meetings. People have complained of pedestrians tripping over the lower ends and the lack of uh, paint on the barriers, um, which would give it visibility, but because there is no paint on it and there's nothing marking the uh, dividers, it's harder for pedestrians and cyclists to see. Um, So people have brought that up before the uh, council, which also includes um, Chicago Department of Transportation members at it in attendance. So I know that complaint might have been a little bit recent, but is there any indication of progress? Was there like, a, you know, we'll work on that in the complaint or, or not in the complaint, in the meeting? Was there any indication that something is going to be done? No, there is not thus far. The city officials have been taking notes of this, um, but no one has said that they will do anything about this issue. Okay, and it w- was a bit of a recent meeting, so it's not like they'd be doing something right away. But, but correct me if I'm wrong. This seems as simple as just painting the little dividers. Is that how we would solve this problem? It could be that simple, yes. So basically, this would be up to the Chicago Department of Transportation, um, which is the city's uh, department that takes care of all things roads and sidewalks and bike lanes, and they could paint the concrete dividers, and uh, they would just paint them either like on the border edges, or they would paint stripes Mm -hmm. on them to make them more visible for pedestrians and cyclists, and that would greatly increase or decrease the chance that anyone would yeah. not see that and trip over yeah, it. It would increase visibility. Yeah, and right. Were there CDOT officials at that uh, that meeting with the city uh, with the other city officials? Yes, there were. But here's where things kind of get a little tricky because in your story you talked with uh, some aldermanic offices and they essentially said, "Listen, the bike lanes, we can't do anything about it. It's CDOT." Um, but CDOT saying, "Well, actually, you aldermen can do something about it." Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. So the aldermen can advocate for bike lanes and they have funding to put bike lanes in place. And in some instances, they can actually uh, block bike lanes being put in place. So then who specifically is supposed to solve this issue? Is it CDOT? Could it be an aldermanic office? Is it both? It could be a combination of both. Maybe aldermen uh, advocating for CDOT to put um, some regulations on the barriers that they create to increase visibility or, you know, CDOT just going out there and doing something as simple as painting the dividers would work. So while I guess people try and figure out where to go and what is to be done, um, as you said, is there any indication that anything will be done soon? Uh, There is not. There has been no response from either CDOT or any alderman in the area. 
For additional reporting on this story, you can go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. Mari, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks. Check out our February 17th print edition to get all the news that you need to know. In campus. I do understand uh, people who really worry about this virus, but it's just coronavirus, not the Chinese virus, so. Junior cinema art and science major Sophia Huang is one of multiple Columbia students dealing with discrimination from the coronavirus. Chinese students are now becoming more conscious of Americans' perception of Chinese people. Junior interdisciplinary documentary major Anna Lee Ackerman was adopted as an infant from China. She noticed people on the red line covering their mouths in her presence. The U.S. declared a public health emergency January 31st for the virus, but doctors say there is low risk of exposure for the U.S. populace. There is also no evidence the virus has been spread from person to person in the U.S. In arts and culture, the Mexican Ensemble Junior Youth Program is working on preserving Mexican culture. The program teaches traditional dance while teaching the folklore that surrounds the dances being taught. You know, being a fourth generation Mexican, I lost a lot of that culture, so it means so much um, because I didn't have that growing up in Chicago. Denise Carrasco-Volk has enrolled her two children in the program. And in Metro News, single-use plastics and styrofoam could be on their way out in Chicago. Chicago City Council is moving toward banning styrofoam and single-use plastics, and Columbia is ready. The director of the Student Center, Andy Dutille, said the Student Center has already made the switch to sustainable food service products. Single-use plastics are a problem, just yeah. all the way around. So anything you start banning them is good, or, or getting them out of the waste stream, and get people's choices to move away from them and then accept that, I'm all for it. That was Professor of Instruction in the Science and Mathematics Department, David Dolak. Dolak said using less plastic could cause a reduction of plastic in the waste stream. For additional reporting on City Council's environmental action and more coverage of all these stories, go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. But before you go, we have one more story for you. And it's about those posters popping up around campus with Danny DeVito on them. Junior music major Mikey Emmy noticed something missing at Columbia. Emmy always felt accepted on campus, but said there really wasn't a place for trans students. To fill this gap, Emmy helped start the Trans Student Union. Meetings are held every Friday from 5 to 6.20 at the Student Diversity and Inclusion Office. Director of SDI Sheree Mosby-Holloway said the group can create a sense of belonging for students. The community and representation um, that students have an opportunity to build community, build connection, um, find places where and people that they can be authentic with. Emmy agreed with Mosby-Holloway. The club exists as a safe space for trans people, mm -hmm. uh, trans students at Columbia specifically. TSU has been around since October 2019, but is not yet an officially recognized club at Columbia. Emmy said the club had looked into affiliating with the college, but said TSU made a conscious choice to stay unaffiliated. Because of the small, at the moment, following that we have, um, it didn't feel right to me or my other co-chair, Zola, to essentially elect someone to speak for such a small group, which kind of tends to vary. Even though they are not affiliated with the college, the SDI office is still able to assist the trans student union. We haven't been approached by the organization for any like official co-sponsorships or anything of any programs. Um, 
you know, but if they if they ever wanted to host any programs or events and wanted our support, you know, that's always a conversation that we're willing to have with students, whether they're a student organization or not. Unaffiliated or not, Emmy is not concerned. The club is able to spend each week helping to empower trans students on campus. At the end of last semester, we had a guided discussion that was about going home to our families and kind of being able to exist and navigate um, spaces that may not necessarily be like super supportive towards students who are trans. Emmy said the Trans Student Union is providing services on campus that may not be found elsewhere at Columbia. What we've already set in motion and what I'm hoping to continue um, escalate, I guess, uh, is actual structural change within the school. First and foremost, what I want to do is build community for the trans students at Columbia. But beyond that, I really want to extend it so that trans students feel safer at Columbia. Um, while there is a lot of... Um, well, there's a lot of protection in place at Columbia for trans students. It's not necessarily as inclusive as it could be. So it's not so much that nothing in place exists at Columbia for trans students. It just it's there, but it's like it's there, but you kind of have to search for it, if that makes sense. Like it's not very prominent. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, the other thing on that is that a lot of these things do exist, but they're not exactly aimed at trans students. But before that happens, Emmy hopes to see every class start with students being asked their name, major, and pronouns. Emmy has spent a few years at Columbia and said they have never been asked their pronouns at the start of class. So sometimes people just don't realize that there are things that you're not supposed to say. Sometimes people know exactly what they're doing and will still ask really harmful questions because they're trying to get a reaction that is negative so that they can further uh, justify their own hatred towards trans people. Mm -hmm. And if you're comfortable sharing, what would one or two of those things be? What should people just avoid at all costs? I think uh, the one that I've heard used the most is is that your legal name? What were you born as? Things along that okay, line. Yeah. It. So I have one or two more questions here, and I've already kind of told you this one. Um, so why do you love a good DeVito? Because that is, if I'm being honest, the, the one of the main reasons I saw this poster is because Danny DeVito was staring at me every time I entered the 33 building. So why do you guys love a good DeVito at the TD Trans Student Union? Because it draws people in, first of all. Because, like, anyone looks at that poster of Danny DeVito and they are curious. They are curious. And that is exactly what we need the to draw people in in the first place. We uh, at TSU also, Love a Good DeVito is a specific picture that um, exists of the It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia uh, cast at a Pride event. And Danny DeVito is wearing a rainbow feather boa, and he's like pointing at the camera or giving a thumbs up or something like that. And for our first big event, uh, we had um, one of our members draw up a poster for our pizza party, and it was Danny DeVito wearing a feather boa with the trans pride flag colors and holding a piece of pizza. 
And so from there, we just ended up with our current poster. I will say it's an effective marketing pitch. I look at it every single time I walk in the building. Thank you. <laughs> and before I let you go, I know you guys like a good DeVito, but I'm curious if you know about a good DeVito. So I have t three facts here, two truths and a lie, essentially. Two go for it. I have three Danny DeVito facts. One of these is not true. I'm going to see right. if you can figure out which one is not true. So the first one, Danny DeVito convinced his father to send him to boarding school at 14 so he would, quote, stay out of trouble, end quote. Danny DeVito has won 14 awards in his life, according to his IMDb page, including an Emmy, a Golden Globe, and a TV Land Award in, like, 2011. Rather recent. Didn't know they were still doing that. And finally, <laughs> Danny DeVito owns a pet platypus. Which one of those is not true? I think it's the first one. Ah, he does not own a pet platypus. Legally, I don't know if you can do that, but he does not. He does not own <laughs> That's a pet honestly platypus. disappointing. I know, I, I know. I was picturing it as you were saying it. Uh, that's all for this week. For more stories, go to ColumbiaChronicle.com. Or you can follow us on our social medias. We are at CEC Chronicle on Twitter and Instagram, and the Columbia Chronicle on Facebook and YouTube. Chronicle Headlines is made possible by the collaboration of WCRX, Chicago's Underground, and the Columbia Chronicle, along with the chair of the Communication Department of Columbia College Chicago, Suzanne McBride. A special thanks to managing editor Mari Devereaux. I'm Blaze Messa. It's been an honor, a pleasure, and a privilege. I'll speak with you next week.